0: some handouts I'd like to get into your hands at this time. Marty and Bill have them and they'll be passing them around in just a moment or two. I've got some questions that I want to share with you tonight as we think about the theme back to school who are middle-aged that make the decision to go back to school. I appreciate the fact that they're willing to learn and willing to go back and try to become more educated. It can be uh, a great uh, experience. No doubt it is a learning experience. But sometimes to shake the cobwebs out and to get back into the flow of studying and learning and growing. Tonight I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 5 and we're going to be looking at a statement made by the writer some 2,000 years ago. He is addressing the He is addressing in the long ago, Hebrew Christians. Some of those Christians were on the verge of going back to Judaism. Some sadly had already gone back. And so the writer is encouraging them to stay in the faith, to stay with the law of Christ. And so what he does in a very simplistic way is to contrast the law of Moses to the law of Christ and basically what he says is this why would you want to go back to an inferior system? the law of Christ is a better covenant it is based upon better promises and so there are some reasons no doubt why they were going back to Judaism and one of the things that stands out in this letter to Hebrew Christians is the fact that some of them were not progressing in the faith as they should have been. And so what the writer is saying to them and what I think he is saying to some of us today is this, we need to go back to school. It's time to go back and to relearn old truths. And so we're going to look at this handout in just a moment or two. And before we do that, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. And as we think about our theme, back back to school. And really, when we talk about going back to school in this sense, we're saying back to the Bible. But I want you to listen to what the Hebrew writer says to the saints in the first century. Note with me, if you would, in verse 12 for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God I want to begin tonight by first and foremost talking about the cause of the problem whatever problem exists there has to be an underlying cause sometimes we talk about cause and effect and so tonight as we think about the need for these saints to go back to school and as we think about sometimes how we as Christians need to go back to school, the question is what's the cause? In other words why? Why would we need to go back to school? Why did they need to go back to school? Well I want to begin by first of all talking about the reality of failing to progress in the faith. Now, the writer there says that they had reached a point in time in their spiritual lives when they should have had the ability to teach others. But he said, you need someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. Two things here. We talk about the reality of failing to progress in the faith. Number one, it was a sobering indictment, wasn't it? Not only was it a sobering indictment, but it was a sad indictment. We might say it like this. It was a sobering commentary on the people in the first century. It was a sad commentary on where they were spiritually. Now I want you to go back with me for a moment and look at the book of Hebrews, or rather go back with me and look at the book of Hosea for a minute. In Hosea chapter 4, the writer is addressing some spiritual problems existent to the people of that day, the children of Israel. And he said to those people that the Lord brings a controversy, and indictment against His people. He said there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. In verse 6 he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I want you to think about something for a minute. To whom was he writing? Hosea wasn't saying that the pagan world existed in that day and time. He wasn't saying that they were ignorant of the law of God, that they didn't know what the law of God said, but rather he is talking to his own people, isn't he? Covenant people. He's not talking to heathen people, but rather he is talking to the children of Israel. And he's saying there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. He would go on to say my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge in chapter 8 verse 12. He said, "I have given unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing." Now let's think about that for a minute. God had given his law to his people, right? Back in it back in Exodus chapter 19, god said that he had delivered them out of egyptian bondage he had brought them on eagles wings unto himself he entered into a conditional relationship with the children of israel in chapter 20 we have the giving of the ten commandments and we go back and look at the commands of almighty god into their hands as paul would say in romans chapter 3 had been committed the oracles of god in other words the sayings of Scripture. But Hosea is saying, look, you do not know the law of God. You are, as we would say, ignorant when it comes to the truth of Almighty God. Now, think about those of us who make up the church today. I understand that there are different levels of of maturity in the church. We begin as what, well, we, we really begin, as Peter would say, as a baby in Christ, as an infant in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter said, As a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter would say, But grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay? As a child of God, how would you rate your spiritual maturity? On a scale of one to 10, where would you place yourself? Now we talk about school today. Children typically begin in kindergarten. They go to primary school, elementary school, middle school, high school, college. Some go on to obtain a graduate degree. Others will go on and get a postdoctoral degree. So what level would you gauge your spiritual maturity? Now the writer here is saying to the Christians in the first century, you should have reached a point in your spiritual life that you have the ability to sit down and teach others the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you remember back in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus gave the Great Commission? Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said, Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If I understand what Jesus is saying there, there are two parts to the Great Commission. The first is evangelistic in thrust, we're to take the gospel to the world. The second is. Is edification and that is we are to teach instruct and ground people in the truth of God why so that they might go out and teach others and so also that they might be steadfast in the faith so as I think about where we are spiritually speaking I've got 15 questions here and this is by no means exhaustive. but these are what I would call fundamental questions and you think about what Paul, or rather what the Hebrew writer here is saying, it may have been Paul, but he's talking about fundamentals of the faith, first principles. We might say cardinal doctrines of the New Testament. I mean, simplistic things, such as how many books are in the Bible? How many Old Testament books are there? How many New Testament books are there? Another question. Are the Ten Commandments binding today? A lot of people think they are. Who were the Ten Commandments given to? To whom was the law of Moses given in the long ago? Is Sunday the Sabbath day? Was the church an afterthought? Did God plan the church? Who built the church? Are the church and the kingdom of God one and the same? Who's the head of the church? Do you have to be a member of the church to go to heaven? How do we contact the blood of Christ? Is baptism essential to salvation? How do grace, faith, law, and obedience work together? Can we fall from grace? Do we know when Jesus will come? What is true worship? What is vain worship? What is will worship? What is ignorant worship? What are the five acts of worship? Are we to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? Are we at liberty to to partake of the Lord's Supper on a day other than the first day of the week? What are the elements of the first, or rather of the Lord's Supper? These are just basic, fundamental questions, are they not? How'd you do by way of answering these questions? If somebody were to sit down and ask you these questions, could you give the answer just like that? Or would you be scratching your head? Would you have difficulty answering these questions? Look, if we can't answer these questions how in the world are we gonna share Christ with people we can't now I'm not saying Rome was built in the night and I understand that Christianity is a growing process but if we've been in the church for many many years and we have been regular in Bible study and worship We ought to be able to answer these questions. If we can't, we need to go back to school, don't we? I mean, that's what the writer here is saying. He's saying, look, if you can't effectively teach someone the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you haven't reached a point in time in your spiritual life when you can teach other people, then somebody needs to reteach you. So, questions for thought. Second thing I want to share with you in our study, we talk about the cause of the problem and the reality of failing to progress in the faith. What I want us to do now is to think about some of the reasons why these Christians were failing to progress in the faith. I said a moment ago, there is what I would call cause and effect there has to be a reason why they were not growing as they should have been. If you haven't grown as a child of God, there has to be an underlying reason, doesn't there? If you can't answer these questions, if you don't know the answers to these questions, if you don't know where to find the answer to these questions, there has to be a cause. Now, let me just cite for you three reasons why I believe these folks were not progressing in the faith. The first is found in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4. There was what I would call a disregard for spiritual matters. The writer asked a profound question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Do you know what the problem was? A disregard for spiritual matters. They were neglecting things related to salvation. Could it be possible that those of us who belong to the body of Christ tonight and members of the church at large, that in many ways we have neglected spiritual matters, if somebody is not growing, there's a reason for that. One of the reasons is neglect, a disregard for spiritual matters. If you're not reading and studying your Bible every single day, you're not going to progress in the faith, are you? just not going to happen. If you think coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you could add to that Tuesday morning, If you think coming three or four times a week to Bible study and worship are going to fill your bucket and you're going to know what the Word of God says, I hate to tell you, but you're not. You're going to know a lot, but you're not going to know what you really need to know. In Psalm 1-2, the Bible talks about the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of the Lord day and night. If you want to know the answers to these questions and others in Scripture, then you've got to spend time in the Scriptures. Didn't Paul say, study to show yourselves approved unto God? It takes, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And we're going to have to be willing to put in the man hours to learn, to grow. I mean, think about school for a minute. Children today begin in 4K. And it is a building process, isn't it? They start in 4 and 5K. What do they begin with? They learn just the fundamentals, the ABCs, don't they? I mean, you've got to learn the alphabet. If you're going to learn arithmetic, you've got to learn to count, don't you? So you learn the ABCs. And then, once you've mastered the alphabet, guess what? You can start learning words. And then you can take those words and you can begin framing sentences. Before you know it, you can read. Doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort. And over time, you become an educated person. But it is a building process. You gotta lay a foundation. If you're gonna know what the Word of God teaches, you've got to have a foundation. And you've got to put some some time and effort into a knowledge of the Word of God. So in the first century, one of the real problems that they had, I believe, a disregard for spiritual matters. Is it possible today that we're so caught up and so busy playing video games and watching television and listening to music and getting on the Internet and doing this and doing that that we just don't have time for spiritual matters? we've neglected spiritual matters. Do you know why the Lord's Church is suffering in some places? Because of a lack of knowledge. Do you know one of the reasons why more men are not elders in the Lord's Church? I can tell you why. Because they're not apt to teach. They don't know what the Word of God says. And the Bible says you've got to have an aptitude If you're going to be an elder in the Lord's Church, you've got to have an aptitude in Scripture. What we have in the Lord's Church in many places is not an aptitude for Scripture. It's what I would call ineptitude in Scripture. Am I right? Am I right? I am. We don't know the ABCs of Christianity. We really don't. And we think we're going to reach a lost and dying world. We've got to understand what the Bible teaches. We've got to understand just the basic fundamental facts of Scripture. So first, there is a disregard for spiritual matters. Secondly, there's what I would call a dullness to spiritual matters. Look at verse 11. The writer said, We have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Is it possible today that we come to worship and Bible study and we hear but we don't hear? We hear it but we really don't hear it. We see it on the screen but we really don't see it. In other words, it goes in one ear and out the other. It's like water off of a duck's back. Sometimes I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I ask the question, are people listening? Are they really listening? Do they have the faintest idea what I'm talking about? Now, some of it might be my my fault. Because maybe I don't make it plain enough. I hope I do, but maybe I don't. But I think about what we're talking about is extremely important. You tell me something more important than where you will spend eternity. And you tell me something more important than making preparation for eternity. Is it the case that sometimes we come in, we clock in, we clock out, we clock in again, we clock out, and we have no idea what's been said? We were here in bodily form, but we are dull when it comes to what was really said. And listen, if we're we're not hearing what's being said from the Word of God, if we're hearing but not hearing, if we're seeing but not seeing, then spiritually we are empty. It's like a gun with no bullets in it we're empty and so if you look at at the people in the first century they had some problems spiritually speaking the first had to do with their neglect their disregard for spiritual matters the second was their dullness of hearing now i want you to just think for a minute there are some things that that we ought to know that ought to be burned in our memory because we hear it every single week. The plan of salvation. If you can't recite the plan of salvation based on being here every time the doors are open, something's not right. I mean, it takes more than just coming to worship, but I, but I think about it. every time we come together, do we not tell the plan of salvation? I mean, shouldn't we be able to just recite that? I mean, think if somebody asks you, "What do I need to do to become a child of God?" and you say, "You know what? I really, I, I really couldn't tell you right off the top of my head." Don't you think we all know? Oh, well, I'll be ineptitude. <laughs> it's called operator error. You know, if you don't have a good operator, you're in trouble, and I'm in trouble. I didn't even, you know what, I was so excited to preach tonight, I forgot all about turning it on. <laughs> well, you know what, somebody, you know, what, what, what was it, the Hebrew writer said, for though by this time you ought to know how, <laughs> my bad, my bad. So they weren't growing. Man, I can hear that now. My apologies. Can we start over? Just kidding. Just kidding. So first, there was a disregard for spiritual matters. Secondly, there was dullness. They were dull to spiritual matters. And then thirdly, they had become delinquent. In spiritual matters. I want you to look over in chapter 10, verse 25. In chapter 10, verse 25, the writer said, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, listen to him, as the manner of some is. Was there a problem in the first century? Yes, there was. And what was that problem? Some folks didn't see the importance of attending worship regularly. They had checked out. If we're not regular, and look, I understand. Sunday night, those who come Sunday night, this is the best of the best, the cream of the crowd, right? And there, there are a lot of folks that were here this morning. They were here last Sunday morning, the week before that, but they weren't here last Sunday night. They're not here tonight, and they won't be here next week. Worship ought to be viewed from the vantage point of an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to be together, to be in the presence of God, to give God praise. There are benefits to that. We're edified, we're built up, we learn, we grow. But you think about people who are not here on a regular basis, if people aren't here on a regular basis, do you think they're going to be growing spiritually? No. Because what it says is spiritual matters are really not that important. I mean, that's the bottom line. You could be anywhere you wanted to be tonight, but you chose to be here, didn't you? How many people, how many people were here this morning that are watching television right now or shopping? or doing something other than worshiping God. Now, you tell me, is that not a heart problem? It's a heart problem. Now, I understand. It's a growth process, and some people are growing, and they're learning, and so we want to encourage them to to come more frequently. And we're not trying to hammer them. We're trying to help them. But if you look at the saints in the first century there were some problems and if you look at hebrews chapter 10 the writer there talks about forsaking the assembly he talks about delinquency in spiritual matters and do you know what do you know what he connects to that apostasy in verse 26 and following when people are not regular in their spiritual well when they're not regular in their worship to god then the potential is disastrous. There's a second thing I want you to to look with me tonight regarding our subject matter back, back to school. It has to do with the cost of the problem. The cost of the problem. And there are two basic needs spelled out by the Hebrew writer here. First, there is the need for an instructor. Secondly, there is the need for instruction. Listen again to what he said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And if you have come to need milk and not solid food, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, Now let's just pause there for a minute. The cost of the problem, the cause of the problem is spelled out. But the cost of the problem, number one, it is mandatory to have an instructor. If somebody is not growing as they should, then we're going to have to have somebody that has the ability, the capability, the aptitude to teach, right? Right? So they're going to have to be competent in the scriptures. Not only are they going to have to be competent in the scriptures, but they're going to have to be committed to the scriptures because after all, this is a textbook, right? We're not talking about your aptitude in science or mathematics or history or art or any other subject. We're talking about what does the Bible say? Because ultimately, that's what's important, isn't it? Do you remember the Apostle Peter? When he said to Jesus, you have the words of life eternal, that's what we're talking about here, the words of life eternal. And so in order for somebody to be taught, we have to have, we have, to have a competent teacher and somebody who is committed to teaching the oracles of God, that is the Scripture, the Scriptures. Now I mentioned a moment ago, there are two possibilities. We can be apt to teach, that is we can have an aptitude for the scriptures, or we could be inept, or there could be ineptitude, and if a teacher is not competent, then you have the blind leading the blind, as Jesus said, they'll both fall in the ditch, so you've got to have somebody that knows what the Bible says. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, Paul talks about the servant of the Lord. And he said, in order for the servant of the Lord to reach out and restore somebody or help them to escape the snares of the devil, he said they have to be apt or able to teach. Are you able to teach? Do you have biblical aptitude? Do you, know what, do you know what the fundamentals of the faith are all about? I hope so. So first, there has to be an instructor, and then secondly, there has to be instruction. Now, there are a couple of things that are going to be required here. Number one, it's going to take time, and number two, it's going to take teaching, isn't it? Now think about this. I was contemplating this as I prepared this lesson. If we fail to grow and progress in the faith as we should, if we're not where we ought to be spiritually speaking, if we're not maturing in the faith, somebody is going to have to step back and spend their time reteaching, aren't they? They could be teaching someone who doesn't know the gospel. They could be spending their time in another area, but because we haven't grown, they've got to go back and reteach the fundamentals of the faith. Does that not say something about time management and the failure on the part of some Christians to grow as they should? Look, if we're not growing and going forward in the body of Christ, we become in, in one way a liability, don't we? Because somebody's got to come down off the wall and teach. You think about somebody who's been in the church for 20 years and they've got to have somebody sit down and reteach them the fundamentals of the faith. Are you kidding me? Really? This stuff ought to be ingrained. We ought to know it like the back of our hand. Should we not? Am I wrong? I mean, either I'm, either I'm right or wrong. I hope, I hope, look, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to help you. And what I'm trying to do is encourage us to rise above mediocrity, to rise above digressing or regressing in the faith, and to progress in the faith. They weren't progress. Look, if we're not progressing in the faith, If as a congregation, we're not going forward, then what happens? We're going backward, aren't we? And so, so, the writer here is saying it's going to require some time. It's going to require teaching. There's a commitment level on both ends. The instructor, the teacher has to be committed to teaching, The student has to be committed to learning. How many of you are teachers, former teachers? Boy, I admire school teachers. My dad was a teacher. He taught science and biology, and he had a steel trap for a mind. And I would imagine that as a teacher, When you go in the classroom and you've got students who are eager to learn and they want to learn, that has to be satisfying. But then there are always people like myself who went to class. I wasn't there to learn. I was there to have fun. And let me tell you what. When I got to college, I realized, you know what? I got a lot of catching up to do. What the writer here is saying is, if you haven't grown in the faith like you should, and that light goes off and you realize you should be teaching but now you need somebody to teach you then you've got a lot of catching up to do, don't you? So it's going to require some commitment on your part. You've got to commit to learning the truth of the gospel. To relearning old truths. It's possible. But it's going to take a lot of dedication on your part. Now I'm not saying, look, If you you look at the scriptures, the fundamentals of the faith, everybody can understand them. Are there some things that are hard to understand? Yes. Not not impossible, but there are some things that are going to require some more time. Look, there are are so many treasures in this book, but we we have to have desire a desire to learn, to grow. You remember the psalmist when he said, oh, how I love your law, it's my meditation all the day? To have that innate desire to learn. Now, here's what we're going to have to do. Ten minutes till seven. So as Brother Wallace used to say, we're going to have to put a peg down and come back next week because I've got a lot more information I want to share with you. And I want to encourage you tonight. I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate so much you being here tonight. I really do. I'm so grateful that you've chosen to be here and that you want to be here. And I appreciate so much your desire to grow and to learn and to be everything that God wants you to be. And I want you to know tonight, if you're not where you ought to be in terms of your biblical knowledge, I don't want you to give up. And I don't want you to despair because I want you to know, look, you can learn, you can grow, you can mature. Brother D.O. has a class that he teaches every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. If you're not in that class and you don't know the fundamentals of the faith, I want to encourage you to go to that class. And listen, you know, sometimes, sometimes we just have to be honest and say, you know what, I'm not where I ought to be. And we recognize that there is a need to grow, to learn, to mature. And so here's what we say. We're going to dedicate ourselves to learning and growing in the faith. Now you think about what you know today. What's today? September 23rd. One year from today, if you apply yourself and you study and you read and you meditate on the scriptures, and you spend time in prayer and devotion to God, I promise you a year from today, September 23rd, 2019. You'll know more than you know today. You will have grown that much. You'll be amazed at how much you know. Really. You can get it. It's possible. But you've got, you remember Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And remember the promise? They shall be filled. If you're here tonight, and let's just say that you're here and you're not a Christian, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to become a child of God. When you obey the gospel, you will be a baby in Christ. And just as a baby begins to grow and to mature, and look at all the babies we have in this congregation today. I mean, we've got so many young children. And they're growing and they're learning. They're like sponges. And you can be the same. So what would you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. And then you need to be willing to repent of every sin, just like they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, verse 38. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God and then to be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. Now that's what the New Testament teaches. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches. And we're only interested in what the Bible teaches. When you do that, God will put you in the church, Acts 2:47. And if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. I know you want to go to heaven, don't you? If you haven't done that, that's what you need to do. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to his cause... John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you not come tonight as we stand and sing for your encouragement?